Welcome to the Relentless Pursuit Podcast. A great task remains, and we all have a role we can play. But what do we do with the questions we have about missions, about walking with God, about ourselves? Well, here's a space for us to wrestle and discover together. We don't have to have it all figured out to take our next step. Today, we have the privilege of getting to hear from Andrew. Andrew was born in Senegal, West Africa, to missionary parents, but grew up mostly in the States. He dedicated his life to reaching the unreached at a young age after being inspired by the stories of missionary heroes of the past. Andrew graduated from Moody Bible Institute in 2012 with a degree in intercultural studies and Bible. He then served overseas with Operation Mobilization for two years, and since 2014, Andrew has been serving with pioneers in Africa. He currently leads a church planting team in Chad that is focused on reaching the Arab nomads with the gospel. So here we are. We're going to jump right into my conversation with Andrew. I'm excited to have you here today, Andrew. I'm thrilled to be here as well, Emily. It's awesome. (laughs) It's exciting. Good. And actually, obviously, you guys can't tell, but Andrew and I are both recording in the same building, but in different rooms today. So we sure are. (laughs) This is kind of a a new thing. We're usually several states or countries apart. So this is fun to be in Orlando right now. Um, Andrew, obviously, um, your bio kind of speaks for itself as far as where you've been, um, what you've spent several years of your life doing, but We want to go back to the very beginning with you. Um, We want to hear where was little Andrew sitting and what was happening when he realized that this is what he wanted to give his life to and he wanted to be a part of God's global mission. Yeah, so I was probably about seven years old uh, living in upstate New York where my dad uh, is from on a farm and in a farmhouse and just there, um, probably I was getting ready to go to bed. My parents would read to me stories from different missionaries um, every night. Um, so I'm guessing it was then, although I don't remember every detail. And I remember in particular, there was a story about Nate Saint. Uh, and Nate Saint was a missionary pilot in the jungles of Ecuador. And he and four other uh, men ended up getting martyred in the jungles uh, in their pursuit of taking Jesus to the unreached. And I did not, I was young enough. I did not know that's the way the story ended. So I was actually pretty, pretty shocked and pretty saddened by it. I, I got kind of angry actually. Um, oh, totally. I was like, that's not the way the story is supposed to end. And <laughs> yeah. I remember in particular, that was a pretty, pretty formative time. And I was like, man, I, I too want to be a part of uh, taking the gospel to the unreached. Now my parents, they were also missionaries. So that influenced me. I, I was born in West Africa in Senegal and spent the first five years of my life there before we moved to the States. Um, and we spent a couple of years in New York, as I mentioned. And then most of my life I've grown up in, in Florida, uh, most of my grown up years. But I would say it was really when I heard that story. And then there was subsequent stories of missionaries as well that impacted sure. me. And then I'd also say it was probably just conversations with missionaries that my, my folks um, had over at the dinner table where I would hear their passion to take the gospel to the unreached and all those things basically caused me to be like, you know, I want to, I want to be a part of this too. Oh, wow. Oh, shout out to your parents. I, I can certainly appreciate hearing about how, um, yeah, your dinner table was filled with people who, who were also, um, kind of shaping that, that love in you, that, that, that interest that you had, 
um, towards God, towards his mission at such an early age. I feel like a lot of us, um, even involved in missions today, didn't hear about it until we were much, much older. We didn't, we didn't even know how to read the Bible with eyes that, that were able to see God's glory for the nation. So, oh, I love that you were seven years old. That's, that's incredible. Yeah. Okay. So it's definitely, God gets all the glory. It's definitely, uh, something that I, I realized like is not, like you said, it's not common for, for everybody. It's not a common story, but I'm, I'm grateful. It's actually interesting. I serve on a team now and there's one of my teammates, uh, Noah, he actually was impacted through that same, same story. It was hilarious. We actually just found this out a few years ago that he also was impacted by that. So we're like, Hey, we're on the same team now, both serving with pioneers and both impacted through this, basically a children's book about Nate Saint. Yeah. Yeah. God works. And, and I always tell, I always tell uh, parents when they're like, man, how do I get my kids excited about missions? I'm always like, Hey, read missionary stories. (laughs) I was just about to say, Hey, parents, if you're listening, do not uh, underestimate the power of a good missionary story for your kids at a young age. That's incredible. Uh, okay, so we were seven. So then what happened? I mean, obviously you, you kept growing up. You were in Florida. Um, what was kind of your first encounter or maybe even like your first um, trip that you were taking kind of as an independent um, young adult? Yeah, actually it involves uh, Nate Sane again because I was actually in Ecuador on a mission trip and I got to go back to the same people group who had actually killed uh, Nate Saint, Jim Elliott, and those guys. Uh, and so I was there at, I think I was 17. So it was about 10 years after I had read that book. Uh, and it was just an amazing experience to get to be there. And part of my story is that I wanted to be a missionary pilot like, like Nate Saint. Oh, wow. And so yeah. from the age of seven to about 17, that was my dream. That's what I was pursuing that's what I thought I would do. I thought, you know, I want to be a missionary pilot. I want to take the gospel um, to the unreached and I want to use aviation. And so I even got my pilot's license um, in Florida, um, close to where I was living with my family. And it was actually kind of funny because I was I was able to fly before I could actually drive on my own. So I had my oh, pilot's wow. license before I had my <laughs> driver's license. So that's kind of a funny, funny story. Yeah. And anyway, so I'm in I'm in Ecuador and we're there visiting uh, the same people group that, that killed these men. And now in this people group, there are churches planted. There's many believers. And I was just blown away by it. And basically, as a part of that trip and other factors, God kind of changed my focus from mission aviation to more what I would call evangelism and discipleship and church planting. So I just realized that for me, my passions were getting to share the gospel with people that had never heard it as opposed to flying and maintaining the airplanes. I'm not mechanically minded. That's just not the way I'm wired. So I I realized, you know what, even though that was my dream, that's just not the way that God gifted me. And so I kind of, it was hard though, because for so long, that was my identity. I was like, I'm going to be a pilot, you know, I'm going to, you, I'm going to be a missionary, but I'm going to be a pilot too. And I don't know if there is some pride in there where I was like, you know, every young kid wants to be a pilot, and every young boy, at least for sure. It's like, I want to be a pilot, you know, it's one of yeah. our many dreams. And, and so <laughs> yeah. I was like, okay, I'll do that. And, and so giving that up was hard, uh, but I've never regretted it since. It's been very obvious that if I had done that, that would have been great, I'm sure, but it's just not my passion. My real passion is getting to share the gospel. I, I get to tell people all the time, like I feel like a kid in a candy shop getting to share Christ with people in, in Africa who have never heard the gospel before. Like there's just no greater, greater joy. Oh, wow. I mean, that's, I'm so glad you shared that because I think uh, a lot of us face kind of that exchange of, wow, you know, I 
I always dreamed of this, but I think that this is greater. And the second this being like what you said of, wow, I'm, I'm taking such delight in what um, God is sending me to do or what he's created me to do. And so I'm sure it was so hard to feel like, wow, I might not be a pilot, but I think that's really okay. And so I love that that's a part of your story. And that's how um, God has really used um, just your natural passions, what, what you love doing um, to be in yeah. Africa. And I would say, Emily, too, that w- when I talk to people, often people are like, man, you know, what am I going to do for the Lord? Like, I don't know. I feel angst. And maybe someone that's listening might be feeling that same way, just got unsure. What What do you want me to do, Lord? And what I will say is that I don't regret the fact that I pursued aviation um, because it was a passion that I believe the Lord had given me. But being willing to pursue something and then change is also important. So just to say for anyone listening, if you have a passion for something, God often will use that passion in his, in his work around the world. So if I, for example, had pursued mission aviation all the way and gone all the way, um, that for some people that is, that is what they should do. But I think it's just important, whatever we're passionate about. So in my case, aviation, that we remain sensitive to the Lord's leading and it can change because what happened in my teenage years leading up to that um, trip to Ecuador was I got more and more involved with sharing my faith with people, especially with Muslims that had never heard it before. And I realized that's where I wanted to do full time all the time. And so being willing to kind of change, I think is really, really important and be open to the Lord's leading. But I don't want to say that, um, make it sound like if I had pursued mission aviation, that would have been like that that's that's not important because it is important sure people. yeah and god can use it all so and we're all different and that's one thing i've learned too over the years is that we're all different we all have different passions and skills and um so we've got to use all. it all for his for his glory yeah there's a lot of good sound bites there of just kind of the quick rapid of of god can use this it's okay to be passionate about this um i think that those were all um such good statements to even speak over us like for the 20 somethings where we're wondering well but all my friends are doing this, but I feel so much more passionate about about serving God in this way. And so I think like leaning into that, like leaning into how the Creator has made us, and and I think that's um, that's special to get to hear you say that, especially because you have spent so much of your time in Africa doing what you're passionate about. So tell us more about that. Tell us how you became so passionate about wanting to work around the unreached peoples in Africa. Yeah, absolutely. So. It was interesting because I actually had no idea I would end up in Africa, if I'm completely honest. I was I mentioned earlier I was born in Africa and in, in Senegal, West Africa. My parents and my grandparents were missionaries there. And so I obviously knew about Africa. I obviously knew that there were needs there. But I think in my mind that I kind of thought, you know what, those needs aren't as great as like Asia, like especially Central Asia sure. or South yeah. Asia. And so my heart was, okay, I'm gonna go overseas. I want to serve the Lord, but it's probably gonna be in the in the in the Central Asia or South Asia somewhere, I was really excited about maybe India or Pakistan. And that's where I thought I would end up. When I was in college at Moody Bible Institute in Chicago, I actually got involved with uh, South Asian peoples. I was actually getting involved with them, getting to share Christ with them, getting to learn about the culture and the foods. And so my heart was there. I had no idea I'd end up in, in Africa. It wasn't on my radar, didn't see it coming. And I think part of it was, I just thought, you know what, been there, done that. I was born there. I don't know. I just, I don't know. I don't know why. It just wasn't on my radar. So it wasn't until I graduated from Moody and I was spending, uh, I had spent a year working with uh, a guy named George Verwer as his assistant. 
uh, traveling with him and, and serving with him. And he challenged me to consider Africa. And he actually uh, encouraged me to take a trip to Africa. So I actually spent nine months traveling through Africa by bus. And this was before I learned wow. any French or Arabic. <laughs> so it was an adventure, yeah. just traveling by bus through countries where they where none of them speak English, none of these countries. And I went by bus through these countries, met with a lot of uh, um, you know workers, missionaries, and a lot of nationals as well. And basically, long story short, it was as a result of that trip that Africa became uh, a burden of mine, specifically um, specifically the nomads of Africa, and in particular Arab nomads that live in the Sahel. And the Sahel of Africa is the region right below the Sahara Desert. So again, everyone knows the Sahara Desert. I'm sure everyone that's listening can, if I asked you where that was in Africa, you could show me it's in North Africa, largest desert in the world. But right below that, there's a part of Africa called the Sahel. And within this band of land that stretches from West Africa to East Africa, lie some of the poorest, least developed countries in the world. And there's a ton of unreached people groups that lie in that belt of land. And actually a lot of nomadic people groups and all the countries I went through on this nine-month trip through Africa were in the Sahel. And I was challenged to go back and to work with the Arab nomads and to take the gospel to them. And so that's how it happened. I wasn't expecting it, but that's where the Lord ended up leading me. And I remember kind of feeling like, man, Lord, why Africa? Why not you know, India or somewhere like that? And I, I remember even thinking... Um, the food in Africa is not nearly as good. Like Indian food is just awesome. And I was like, oh man, <laughs> it's going to be such a bummer. But yeah. it, to me, and again, I'm, I, when I say, you know, the Lord led me or I heard from the Lord, I, I just want to be clear that I, I didn't necessarily see it written in the clouds or there wasn't any sort of miraculous uh, vision or anything. And, but it was clear from the Lord that I should go there, that I should go back to Africa, that that's, that's where, that's where I should go. And a couple of the reasons were the fact that I wanted to go where the gospel uh, really had it penetrated, where a lot of people weren't willing to go, a hard place, but a place where I could be pretty open with the gospel. Uh, because there's a lot of countries in the world where you have to be really careful about what you share and what you don't share. Whereas in uh, the Sahel of Africa and in Chad, the country that uh, I serve in, you can be very open about your faith. You can share your faith very openly. You can be there. We're actually there on missionary visas. And so oh, the wow. doors are wide open. I but think I just it, always assume that uh, every country is secure and you have to be incredibly careful about what you say yeah. or I guess even how your presence is seen. And so to hear that, wow, it's practically even celebrated that you are incredibly open with your um, with your faith there is so cool to hear. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it, it, the weird thing is, a lot of people aren't going though, even though the sure. door is wide open. A lot of, a lot of Christians don't want to go there. It's 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 a hard place to live physically. It's it gets really hot. Uh, it's it's basically you're living in the desert essentially. Yeah, so a lot of people yeah. don't want to live there. But man, it is a it's a joy. Um, it's a joy to be there. So yeah. Long story short, that's that's how I'm in Africa. Yeah, that's incredible. And I don't want to overlook at all the fact that you said you followed around George Verwer. For several months, that's incredibly casual. For those of you that don't know, he is uh, a speaker, an author, um, a leader. He, yeah, that's how did that even come to be? 
Yeah. And if, if none of you have, um, if, and if you haven't read his books, read, read some of his books. He's got some really good books out there. He was, uh, he's a, a graduate of Moody Bible Institute and I was a student at Moody. I was in my senior year and he came to speak at the missions conference. And I was looking to the Lord for what I should do after I graduated. And again, not never thinking I would end up traveling with him. Uh, but it all worked out. He came, spoke. I had him come and speak on our floor and share a Devo on our floor after the main message. And we got to talking and basically found out that he uh, always has an assistant travel with him. And it's basically a discipleship experience for the assistant. And it's also a blessing for him because the disciple helps him with his book tables, helps to uh, review books for him, drive him around, carry his bags, just a bunch of different things, run errands. So long story short, that's what I ended up doing for, about, so a, cool. for about a year. <laughs> and we were based in, in London and we traveled okay. to 21 countries in 12 months. So it was awesome. Wow. We call it the, the gopher. Go for this and go for that. Uh, so I was just gopher. Is. Yeah, that's <laughs> yep. good. Yeah. Uh, okay, so yeah, 21 countries, you are developing a passion for um, the people of the Sahel. Mm-hmm. And okay, so you landed there and you mentioned that not many are going. It's a very hard place to live uh, physically, um, very challenging. And so how does that hit you? Um, how does it, I don't know, I guess if I was in your shoes, I would think, well, gosh, why is no one coming? Why am I alone here? What's going on? Uh, how does that kind of hit you as you as you um, kind of see the the status of of Chad there where you are? Oh man, it it just it grieves me. Um, there is, I think it was was it Moffat. There was a famous missionary that worked in Sub-Saharan Africa many years ago, and he said that he sees the the smoke of a thousand fires from a thousand villages where they've never heard the name of Christ, and that was what inspired. Uh, young David Livingston to go to Africa. I think that's how it goes. Well, when I go to my town uh, by bus, where we're, where our team is based, um, from the capital to that town, it's so true. It's the same thing. I see dozens and dozens of villages, towns that have no gospel witness, and there's a hundred and thirty-five people groups in Chad. A hundred thirty-five wow. distinct people groups that speak different languages. And 70 of those people groups are completely unreached. And then 35 of those 70 are what we would call unreached and unengaged, meaning they're not only unreached, meaning they have less than 2% believers amongst them, but no one's even trying to reach them either. So no Christians, no missionaries, no churches, (laughs) no nationals that are trying to reach them. And that just breaks my heart. You said 135 people groups in Chad alone. Yes. That's right. Oh, wow. And then yeah, 70 unreached and, right, and, was... and 35, 35 unengaged. So it's crazy. And Good there are, night. I will say there are Christians in Chad. If you, if you look it up, uh, do some research into Chad, you'll see that there are Christians in Chad, but they all live in the South of the country. It's kind of like the country of Sudan. If you know anything about Sudan, you know that in South Sudan, there's a lot of Christians in the North, a lot of Muslims, and it's kind of divided between North and South. In fact, okay. it led to the split between North and South Sudan right, a number of years right, ago. Right. South Sudan is our newest country in the world. Well, it's similar to that. Christians are in the South, Muslims are in the North, and there's a huge Christian-Muslim divide. Most 
uh, Christians look at Muslims as, as the enemy and as the threat and feel afraid of them. A lot of Muslims look at Christians as subhuman and, and stuff like that. So there's just a lot of, a lot of division. And yeah. so while there are Christians there, there's not necessarily a lot of crossover between Christians and, and, and Muslims. And so there's a huge need for, for foreigners to come in, to come alongside the church, to both model what it looks like to do evangelism to Muslim people groups, but also to train them and to disciple them and to work in tandem with them. So our team's vision isn't to do it all on our own. We want to work with the Chadian church in partnership with them to, to reach the unreached. Um, but we also don't want to just do training and say, hey, you go sweat, lead, die <laughs> and reaching yeah, the unreached. Yeah, and we'll, yeah. we'll stay here and train you. But we want to do it together and say, let's go sweat, bleed, die together in pursuit of Christ and taking his what name. A, what a slogan you've got there. I hope you have shirts um, that that say that. <laughs> the, the sweat, bleed, die. That's, that's good. Um, I am loving this because I feel like uh, I get to hear a lot about um, how people have served in a number of countries. And they see people come. They, they see people come join their team. And they see a movement start and um, slowly the people they're working with become uh, reached. The, 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 they get to see this tangible expression of the gospel um, going forward. And so for you to be in Chad and to see um, such a, a desert, a literal desert, um, I guess, as a kind of an illustration there. And then to see your team be so fruitful, um, gosh, what has that been like to see your team come and to be present and to minister to these people, but to still see um, the number of of people coming to Chad to work alongside you be so small? What has that felt like? Yeah, thanks for asking. It's definitely, it's a burden. And whenever I get a chance like now to to share about Chad and to share about the unreached, I I just jump at the opportunity because if anyone's, you know, everyone's out there listening to this that that has a, um, let's just say, a, I don't know, an openness uh, to, Lord, what do you want me to do? Then I just want to say loud and clear, pray about chat and mm-hmm. uh, pray about coming and joining in, uh, in on the efforts because there's a lot of work to be done and, and we need you um, and we, we want you. So pray about chat, pray about coming because it's, it's, it, there's a huge need. The harvest is truly plentiful, but the labors are, are few. Mm-hmm. I, I was also going to add too, uh, Emily, that, I would say we, you, you called us fruitful. That was really kind of you. I don't know that we've oh. been there long enough to be super fruitful yet. I mean, hopefully sure. we're, we're fruitful in the things that we are doing, um, but time is, is yet to, to see how fruitful we are. And what I mean by that is sure. it's, it's a long, long road. And um, so we've been doing a lot of language study and culture learning and team building and relationship building. So we've been doing a lot of stuff, but we haven't necessarily seen a lot of people come to faith yet. And, and that's, that's pretty normal in, in Chad. In fact, it's pretty normal around the world that it takes a while to really see much fruit uh, in terms of soul saved. Um, yeah. Because it just, it's just a long road. You know, it, you got to learn the language, the culture. And in, and in Chad, we've had to learn two languages. So French first, because it's a former French colony. And so French is used uh, in a lot of the, the government, uh, you know, government uh, buildings and, and the churches that do exist, a lot of them use French Christians use French. So if we want to have any relationship with the believers in the South, we need to know French. But then we've also had to learn Arabic because Arabic is the language of the Arab nomads that we're focused on reaching. So Arabic is their heart language. It's also the language of wider communication or the trade language. So it's also a language that 
you would use in the market. If you're meeting somebody who speaks one of the 135 languages that are in Chad, and they're speaking one of the 134 that you don't speak, then you use Arabic. That's what everyone kind of uses to, to communicate with each other. And so both French and Arabic. And then there's just a lot of cultural things we needed to learn as well. Um, I mean, so many things. Like, for example, uh, something as simple as when you shake someone's hand, um, which hand do you use? Well, we don't really think about that a lot in the States because it doesn't really matter, I guess, a whole lot. Um, but in chat, it really does. It's got to be only the right hand. And you also only eat with your right hand. And that's really, really important. You can really offend somebody if you eat with your left hand or you shake someone's hand with your left hand or if you even receive a gift with your left hand. So there's so many things like that that when we get there, we have no idea about. We just have to kind of learn and, and stuff like that. So, oh, so totally. it's, a long, it's a long road. Um, but uh, yeah, by God's grace, we're, we're plugging away as a team. And when I joined, first joined Pioneers in 2014, um, and actually started this team. It, it was just me. There was no one else. But now there's a team of, of 10 adults and four kids. And we're we're excited to be there. And oh, it's yeah. just awesome. Yeah. Totally. Well, I'm glad you brought that up because I wanted to hear actually. So you went to Moody mm-hmm. and then you heard about Pioneers at Urbana. Yes? Yes. And I had heard about okay. them before that. But yeah, I, I, oh, okay. I had okay. heard them about them at Urbana and got to meet a lot of the, the staff and stuff at Urbana. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so that was in 2014, you said, when you first joined? I joined I joined Pioneers in 2014. That's right. It, it's kind of funny. I like to joke that I, I kind of dated Pioneers for a while, but in 2014, I finally put a ring on it, you know, made it official. <laughs> Don't we all? Yeah, <laughs> that's good. That's really because good. Because I, I grew up in Central Florida, which is, I grew up like an hour from the Pioneers USA headquarters. And in 10, 2014, I had gone to a conference that Pioneers held called Story 10. And so I kind of had a lot of interactions and liked pioneers. And I think I was in high school when I said, you know, I think one day I'm going to serve with pioneers. I really like pioneers. And largely that was because of the mission statement and the vision and the values. Um, I, I didn't even know any pioneers missionaries yet, but I was like, I just love this agency. Oh, and uh, cool. so anyway, 2014 yeah, was finally when kind of took the plunge. Yeah, good. Well, hey, we're all glad you put a ring on it with pioneers. That's that's really cool. And just so you uh, know, just so everyone knows, I, I've I, I got I, uh, you know, pioneers might have been I might have been dating pioneers for a while, but back in February, I also got married. So I, I'm right. also married now. Yes, put a ring Another on that too. Another ring. <laughs> yeah, good. Oh, we're so glad about that too. Um, I you mentioned a little bit ago, um, the culture. So you were talking uh-huh. about how. Wow, you know, when you come here, there's so much to learn. Um, as with any country, I'm sure, but with what Chad, what you're mentioning, I mean, just the the dual language component, and then of course it's a desert, so you're learning how to let your body adapt to the heat and the kind of just the depravity there. And you mentioned the food wasn't so great, so tell us a little bit about. I'm sure you have found things that, that to eat that you do enjoy, but um, tell us a little bit about the culture and the things that have been so great for you things that you think on think that you think about fondly or that you think of as wow this has become a home in this regard it's got to be the people it's it's the people they're they're warm they're hospitable they're very welcoming and i just i love the people and oh, i'm not cool. just saying this because it sounds like the right thing to say but i i miss chad i really do i miss being there i miss the people and the friendships there and just i think it was yesterday uh, in particular, I forget why, but I was just thinking about Chad quite a bit and really um, 
missing it. And just even the last couple of days, I've been really, really excited to get to go back um, to Chad in February. So just as some background, I got married, as I mentioned, in February. And so for this year, my wife and I are taking some time to build our marriage and stuff like that. But we are um, planning on going back in February of this coming year. So looking forward to that. And it's, I would say, because of the relationships, because of, of the people. Um, because, yeah, there's a lot of things that, that aren't great about Chad, as, I, as I've mentioned before. But the thing is, I don't really actually think about those things a lot because when you're there, you're, you're with the people and you're getting to do what God, you know, what you feel God wants you to do. And like I mentioned earlier, there's, there's no greater joy than, than mm-hmm. doing that. I will also add, you mentioned food. I will say that camel meat is pretty good. Hey, so, okay. Yep. Camel meat. Shout camel out meat. to camels. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, what else is good there to eat? Well, I don't know if this is good to eat, but I'll, I'll tell you what the staple, <laughs> okay, the fair. staple, the staple food is. Just because okay. this is kind of a, you might find that you guys, you're, you know, everyone that's listening might find this interesting. But um, it's called esh, and esh actually comes from the word life, the, the word for, in, in Arabic for life. So that's how important this food is. It's actually their life. Oh wow! Okay. And so esh is basically made out of millet. For those that don't know what millet is, just think birdseed. That's essentially what it is. So they take birdseed, they grind it up into a flour, they cook it over into in a hot uh, cauldron with water, and it comes it behaviorally basically comes like with water, and it basically becomes kind of this thick, um, almost like mashed potatoes, but thicker than mashed potatoes. It, it's basically like oh. play-doh, essentially play-doh. Yeah, yeah. And it's really thick and hot and steamy. And then they uh, they have it, they put it in a bowl, and then they turn the bowl upside down, so you're left with this mound of, of hot, steamy uh, Play-Doh that's made out of millet. And you rip off a piece with your right hand. As I mentioned earlier, you got to use your right hand. Right, right hand. You rip off a piece with your right hand, and then you dip it into a bowl that has a sauce in it. And the sauce is usually made out of okra. And for anyone out there who knows, who's ever cooked with okra, when you boil okra, it becomes very slimy. So mm-hmm. it's... Essentially, Indeed. this green, slimy sauce, and you dip it in that, and then you, it's yeah, you try to eat it without getting too much of it on your on yourself. So it it sounds awful, but you know it's, it's, it it grows on you. It grows on you, and it's pretty nutritious. Sure. Any health <laughs> fans out there know that millet is actually really really healthy. So hey, if they weren't packing their bags for Chad before, they are now. After oh, hearing about the, the ash. Yep, absolutely. Come running. Come That's on so over, fun. guys. <laughs> <laughs> That's fun. So your wife, has she been to Chad uh, yet? She has. She visited okay. me there for a couple of weeks. Now, she's been serving in South Asia for the last three years. So she has been overseas, oh, wow. but okay. different country. This will country. be a transition. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, gosh, we are incredibly excited for you and your wife and how God has used Oh wow! So much of your story to um, draw you to his people, to to lead you to them, and to help you to love them, despite all of the physical kind of oppression, I guess, with the with living in in Chad. But um, oh wow, Andrew, I feel like I could ask you so many questions about Africa. But let's land on, on kind of a place of what are some ways that we can celebrate alongside you. So, what have been some of the um, the people, or or even just like. A moment when you were in Chad and you thought, "Oh my gosh, this is this is it. This this person is encountering God for the first time, and they will never look back." Mm. 
Yeah, that's a that's awesome. That's a great question. Thanks for asking. So God is doing some awesome things currently in Chad, and it's basically all just His doing, um, an answer to a lot of prayer. You can't really say like this is the strategy that made that happen, and you know it's just it's the Lord. Um, and I remember getting to meet. I'm just I'm not going to say his full name just for security purposes, but I'll just refer to him as his, by the by his first initial. But I remember talking to um, M, and he um, he came to faith a few years before I met him. And just getting to talk to him about his story and then do discipleship with him and, and study the Bible with him in Arabic was such a, a joy because it was like, this is awesome. And he comes from the same people that we were trying to reach. Um, and so getting to to work with him was just sort of like a, a foretaste. And it's kind of a reminder from the Lord that there's, this is a little bit of what one day might be. Um, yeah. Just getting to fellowship with believers, Arab believers. And I think of uh, another guy, um, I, and he, he actually came to faith. Um, he came to faith through the faithful witness of a number of different people. And then I just got to be there when he actually made that decision to follow Christ. And he's wow. now being discipled by, by someone else. And he's not from the people group that we're trying to reach. He's actually in the capital city. And he's somebody that I got to share with while I was living in the capital city, learning language. Um, and then I think of another guy, I'll call him Mr. Clean because his in Arabic, his name means clean. And he, oh. <laughs> he also came to faith a couple years ago. And it, that was in response to an SD card that uh, was given to him. And on this SD, ca- SD card, there was scripture, uh, audio scripture, the Bible, the Jesus film, different you know resources, different evangelistic resources. And he listened to this um, SD card a lot. And eventually he told me, I, I believe this. This stuff is true. But he told me, I'm very, very afraid of my father because my father is a very important religious leader. And he said, I'm afraid that, um, that you know, I'll be thrown out of the family, basically. Because in Chad, your family is, is everything. And if you get thrown out of your family, you don't have a chance of getting a job. You don't have a chance of getting married. They might even try to kill you. But even if, even if they don't kill you, you're a, a ostracized from your, your, your culture, your community. Oh, yeah. And so he was very afraid. But over time, he he decided to follow um, Christ as well, and got to connect him with some other believers, some other Chadian believers. Um, so those are those are times where it's just like, wow, this is awesome! Like this is this is this is why we're here to get to introduce people to Jesus, and especially when I get to share the gospel in Arabic um, with someone who only speaks Arabic, who has never traveled much. What I think to myself is, if I had not left the comforts of America to come to Chad to learn Arabic and then to sit with this person, get to share Christ with them. Would this person have ever heard the gospel before? Uh, And when I'm there, it's just kind of like a surreal moment. Like, Lord, thank you. Thank you for this privilege to get to do this. And as I mentioned earlier, there's literally what better thing can you give your life to? Um, And it's not, I'm not just there because, you know, I have to be like, I, I'm there cause I want to be, and it's a joy to be there. Um, and it's, it's just, it's awesome. It's, it really is. And I just want everyone to hear that, that, um, that, that missions is hard. Yes. Like it is very hard, but it's also very, very, uh, rewarding. If, if you persevere, I think especially the first few years can be very discouraging, but then if you get past those first few years and I'm still new at this too, it's, it's only been, you know, I don't know, 
six years, five, six years that I've been in Africa. Um, but so I'm still relatively new at this myself, but if you persevere, eventually you do you get to see God do some pretty cool things. And again, one thing I'd like to remind myself too, when I do get discouraged is that it's, it's actually not about the people ultimately. And it's actually not about the fruit. It's not about how many will actually come to faith. And even though you might be thinking, well, well, wait, it's not about the people. Then why are you there? It's actually about God's glory. And even if no one comes to faith, and even if all I do is I'm a faithful witness for Christ there, it's all worth it because Jesus is worthy to be worshiped there. And he's worthy to be proclaimed in Chad amongst the Arab nomads. And so my, I can take my eyes off of the people and off of how much fruit there is or isn't. And if I keep my eyes on Christ, then, you know, he keeps me, gives me the strength to keep, to keep plodding away and to keep going. Oh, wow. Andrew, I am quite glad that you said that. If that was even all that this podcast would have been, I would have been very thankful um, for that. Um, the vision, the the heart behind um, your time in Chad is is um, a direct connection to the glory of God, and so I'm I'm very thankful for that. And for those listening too, that's an incredible reminder of of even what is what's the point? What is what is the point of us uprooting our lives here um, to take on another language, to take on the different challenges and cultural blunders and all of these things that make it seem so silly, but really it is at the end of the day, um, such a beautiful reflection of the glory of God. And, and can, oh, I, yeah. can I add something to Emily that, oh, yeah, please do. that um, it's been really cool that to see God do some amazing things. So with everything I, I said stated, I also want to add that God does delight to draw people to himself through the preaching of the word, through the sharing, the proclamation of, of the gospel, and through prayer, God does delight to, to answer and do amazing things. And what we've been seeing is that uh, there's been a, there's a number of places in Chad now where the gospel really seems to be breaking through and where people are coming to faith and some amazing things are happening. I mean, I want to, I could go on for, for probably a couple hours just telling you stories of different things that God is doing in Chad. And again, these are, uh, just to be clear, these aren't necessarily things that, that our team is seeing. These are things that on other teams that have been there longer, that have been plowing for a longer period of time, these are things they're seeing. And we just get to rejoice with them. Um, so these aren't necessarily firsthand experiences, but they are um, experiences of our, of our friends and colleagues in Chad. And just to give you one example, there's a guy in the capital city who came to faith about a year and a half ago, and I'll just call him B. Um, and he came to faith in a pretty crazy way. He, he read the New Testament. He was given a New Testament, and he read it in Arabic in like three weeks, something like that. And then he had some dreams and visions of Jesus. So by the time that uh, my buddy caught up with this guy and got to talk to him, B was already ready for, for it. He, and he was like, what do I need to do to become a Christian? Like, I'm ready. And that's not normal. Like normally mm. people, you know, talk about low hanging fruit, talk about a guy that's ready. Um, it's not normal, but he was a guy that was prepared and he, he became a believer. And then he started sharing his faith with, with other people, with his friends and neighbors and family members. And he encountered a ton of persecution, but over and over again, the Lord spared his life. And even through the persecution actually gave him opportunities to shine even brighter because people saw that, okay, this guy must be for real if he's willing to suffer like this for the gospel. Um, there's another part of another lady by the name of Sally. That's not a real name, but she goes by Sally and a different part of Chad. And she also has been through so much persecution. And yet 
it's through that persecution that so many have come to faith. And God has used dreams and visions. He's used healings and he's used um, just some pretty crazy miracles um, to, to work in people's lives. But, but fundamentally, he's, he's, used the, he's used the gospel, the gospel going forth and being shared. Um, and he's, he's answering prayers around, around the, the nation. So God is doing awesome things. So while we don't go expecting tons of fruit, because our, our focus ought to be on, on, on Christ, whether or not we see any fruit, with that stated, I still think we should be expectant that God is going to do amazing things. And we ought to be, um, yeah, just expectant and excited that God's going to do things. And I think I think there's just that there's that balance we need to have of of going, Lord, um, I'm not here for the fruit, uh, but I want you to bring fruit because you tell us in your word that you're not willing willing that any should perish. And so God does want to draw people to Himself. Yeah. Um, so, and I was just going to mention too. There's actually the, a, a website that's just been created that anybody listening can can check out. It's called letchadbeglad.com let chad be glad.com. Oh, perfect. And, that will be easy to remember. Yep. Yep. You can go there and you can sign up to get email updates every other week. You'll get an email update about how you can pray for Chad. And there's also some stories, um, more of the stories. If you want to hear more about what God's doing in Chad, you can go and read some stories and you can actually even adopt a people group in Chad to pray for. So one of those, you know, I mentioned there's 70 unreached people groups. You can adopt one of them and, and start to pray for them with your small group or your church. Oh, Wow. Andrew, that's great. We'll put that in the show notes for sure so people can follow that link. That would be an excellent way for people to stay up to speed on what God um, is doing in chat and how they can be a part of it. That's a big deal. Yeah, absolutely. I hope many of you guys find that helpful. I just found out about it today and it looks awesome. Oh yeah, we'll look into it for sure. Uh, Andrew, this is great. Thank you for these stories, these stories yeah. that are bringing us closer to know what Chad is like and what your life has been there and praying to consider that um, God will send more. So thank Absolutely. you so much for your time today. And we will pray for you and your wife as you guys finish out your first year of marriage and head back to Chad um, next year. But we're very excited for you guys. Thank you so much, Emily. It's been It's been awesome to get to share some time with you and with the listeners. Thanks for making time for our discussion today. If you've got questions or feedback, send us a DM on our Instagram at Relentless Pursuit Podcast or contact us through our website at RelentlessPursuitPodcast.org. You are not alone in the relentless pursuit of God's glory. We are here with you and are passionate about helping you take your next step.